very first episode of season two of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, aka the Barracuda. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mrs. Barakas, Jojo underscore B. What's good, Jojo B? Hello! Look at this. I know, we're back. We're back for season two. I can't believe there's a whole new season coming. Yeah, we feel like we're official now. Yeah. You know? It could go one of two ways, though. You know how always, like, the, the second part, the sequel, it could either be, like, Godfather Part 2 okay. levels, or it could be, like, Speed 2 Cruise Control levels. <laughs> so, like, obviously, our first season was, like, immensely epic. How are we going to deliver... <laughs> I love that analogy, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it could be immensely epic or immensely fecal. Fecal? Is that, that, is that a word? No. Fecal? Fecal. Fecal. That's yeah. it, fecal. <laughs> there, so so we've already started season two with Jojo B correcting me as she did pretty much from the start of season one on our first episode. So start as we mean to go on, basically. Can't help it that I'm better read than you. Look at this. So now we're going to get a new Jojo B for this season. Because you, you know, like you went through your like mid-season dip. You know how like Liverpool kind of do sometimes where they go through their mid-season slump. And then you were kind of like, I was trying to get stuff out of you and you weren't really giving it back. I know? mean, if you listen back to a particular episode from last season, it will, you will understand why I went through that dip. Yeah, so like, and that I was half dead. <laughs> Literally, what, I was half up, dead. So, like, so, what have you been up to, fam? What have I been up to? What have you been up to, bro? Giving birth. Like, you're just gonna, just gonna dump it like this. We're not gonna <laughs> build up to the fact. Okay, so we took a season, seasonal break. Okay, sorry, you want like Look build up. We want build up, like this Game of Thrones. Thing. This we'll is do, what we have to Game of Thrones. This, okay, yeah, fine, exactly. right? Exactly. You can't just like throw. Yeah, I've given birth, <laughs> Bruv, This is a pretty monumental thing for both of our lives. I felt like most of last year was a build up for me. To be fair. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, but yeah. you know, we, we climaxed. <laughs> that was the problem. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, but we, we did take uh, a seasonal break. Yes, that was a little bit more extending that we would have liked. Yeah. For particular reason. Uh-huh. You know, so we've had, we've had, you know, good times over the course of the past few months. A lot of chilling, a lot of relaxing. Chilling and relaxing? Yeah, those are two words that I literally can't remember what are anymore, if I'm honest. What is like taking it easy and just like, you know, just getting a cup of tea and just curling up on the sofa for like half an hour just to relax. I don't know what that is anymore. Yeah. If, if people... I don't know what my life was like before. That's the thing. What it was, was like, it? It, was like the, it was like the BC and AD of this situation, isn't it, really? <laughs> you know, before child and Anadomani. <laughs> Um, which is quite you know because quite apt because christmas happened and stuff as well so you know that's uh you know 
Shout to all my Christian people listening in right I now. I can't stop laughing. It's this Prosecco. It's gone to bed. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, Jojo B's like having a glass of Prosecco. Like in the middle of the afternoon. Let's just put it out there. You know, but we're now back and finding some time to do this. We haven't given any explanation because you didn't let me kind of like elaborate. Right. On what happened after I gave birth. We had a child. Okay. So yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought we'd have a more like epic kind of like dun dun dun. But no. So this is how our brains work now. We don't really finish sentences anymore. We just kind of trail off and don't really know what we would started saying because we're so tired. Yeah. We don't know what's going on anymore. Like sleep. So this is what you've got to look forward to in season two is us just not really making much sense most of the time. Yeah. But yes. So as we were saying, build up, build up, build up, gave birth. Had a child. <laughs> yes. Had a baby. Yes. The native immigrant's baby, which we spoke about in the last few episodes of season one. And that we was going to happen. Yeah. And guess what? It happened. Yeah. And we had a son. We had a baby boy. We did indeed. So it's going to be all about football, cricket, wrestling. Yeah. We were like, what is it? And it was a boy. And it was a boy, yeah. Because obviously we kept it a surprise. <laughs> yes. Because we thought, you know, we'd do the old old school traditional thing by finding out what the baby is on the day it arrives. Yeah. So obviously we didn't plan for shit. And uh, we literally had a list of a hundred names to think of that were boys and girls. Yes. And all that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't have anything color coordinated in terms of clothing, etc. We were just going to go in pot luck and find out how it went. Yep. Got a boy. Yes. So obviously Asian grandparents are loving it. They would have loved a girl as well. Yeah, but you know, deep, deep down, that old school. You, they would have loved a girl, but yeah, it's amazing. Well done. Yeah. But really, no, deep down. We have to break that stereotype. That's the whole of the show that we have yeah, to talk we, about. That's the thing. We, we spoke about this in one of our previous shows. Oh, about yes, we the, did. You know, about the, the stereotypes, unfortunately, with our older generation in that the boys rule the roost. And how we need to find some kind of equilibrium now. But we had a boy. Yes. I would have liked a girl, which I've said in our conversations. You see, now you said you wanted a boy, but you thought we were having a girl. And now you're saying that you hoped it was a girl. So I think deep down all along you wanted a girl. But at the time you were like, oh, but I'd prefer a boy. But, you know, because then I can do like boy stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, but girls can do boy stuff as well. So it's all cool. But don't turn them into like a a tomboyish kind of thing. I was a tomboy. There's nothing wrong with a tomboy. Yeah, look how you ended up in that family. You married me. I'm the mother of your child now. Oh, God. The mother of a dragon. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole other show yeah. what he's like his personality is hilarious uh, yeah I think in the next in the next show or the show after that we're going to be talking a little bit more in detail about not so much in detail about giving birth and the whole process behind oh, that oh I could give you details we can kind of touch on it slightly I could give you so many details but you know what this is the thing because it's like I still feel this is a bit of a taboo discussion childbirth all, this, all the details I don't know if you're a woman and you've got friends who've given birth they usually tell you all the horror stories and so I'd heard all the horror stories and now I have my own horror story but how many people hilarious. how many people within our communities sit down and actually talk about that in detail yeah. amongst each other do you know what they don't tell you about they might tell you about the horror of their childbirth they don't tell you about all the shit that happens afterwards yeah. and that is a show that we need to do absolutely 100% because yeah it's a complete roller coaster physically and emotionally oh 100% and this is what we will discuss in more detail in one of our next few shows because i think i think he deserves an episode to himself he does he needs to be on that episode maybe we'll get him to like what chat spit some bars on it yeah honestly one step at a time but, you know, eventually we will get him on at some point when he's learned to speak, learned to do anything, really. He's learning to do 
is daft. He is, yeah, yeah. I'm going to forever, like, defend him now. <laughs> Against me, yes. the tyrant father. I'm basically following footsteps of my elders in being the authoritarian Gujarati Asian father that stops him from doing everything. I won't be the mollycoddling mother, but I will be very proud of my son because he does things. Like today, he sat up on his own today he did. for the first time. Look at this monumental moment for, for us. like two seconds and then he toppled over. Yeah. But he did it by himself today. And that was a big monumental, monumental? Monumental moment. Yes. It's a quite a monumental moment. Monumental I, I moment. I can't speak anymore. Monu- okay, anyway. We have to do a lot of speaking now because we're back for season two. And so one of the first things I think people would have potentially noticed, uh-huh. I hope they would have noticed if they've been previous listeners, if you're a brand new listener, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to our podcast. To, to our mad world. Yeah. There was a new theme tune. Oh, yeah. So We changed all, it up. We changed it up. Yeah, we thought new season refresh, rebrand, out with the old, in with the new. I'm still married to you though, so I'm still stuck with the old. But we've got a brand new theme tune. Thank you so much to my brother Melzo for the theme tune from last season. Stuck. So this season, I want to thank the amazing Neeraj Jug. Thank you, Neeraj. For delivering an awesome theme tune for our show. Yes. Is that it? That's no, a, I love that's it. I, I really love jug. it. I know he has like done the, the music for like big prime time BBC One series, yes, like documentary series and things, and like you know theatre shows and all sorts of stuff. The national theatre productions, and we for got him. Sake. I have no idea how we convinced him to do this. I just asked him, and he was up for it. We love you, Neeraj. Big up, Neeraj. <laughs> Thank you so much. For this season's theme tune to the Native Immigrants podcast. You know, hopefully we'll get him onto the show one time when we start to finally start introducing guests, which we said over and over again last season. And then we just never, it just never happened. And now we've got a baby. It's going to make it even harder. Well, what they can do is, it can be like a a proper, like hilarious show where we can just get them to babysit. Right. So Bubs can be on their lap while they talk to us. And then we can just like fuck off and have a day to ourselves. Yes. Mate, you are on it. We today. can have date date. Yeah, while well, our guests just babysit our baby, and then so, we just record it all. <laughs> yeah, so we basically like we lure them in with a ruse, hide <laughs> like, the microphones. Yeah, give me some exposure, mate. You know, get you out there, <laughs> and then basically just like yeah, just like here you go, bye. We'll be back in ten years' time. But yeah, so new theme tune. I also want to say apologies to people uh, on our social media for the, for the last few weeks. We did hint that we were going to put out an anniversary show of highlights from season one. <laughs> I had messages going, so when exactly are you going to be <laughs> to show that? How soon So you know that soon? show that you said about the anniversary for the highlights? <laughs> when is that going to come out, Blen? Um Yeah, so that never happened. Uh, so I want to say sorry, apologies to all our listeners. But you know what, if you're going to listen back to highlights from season one, Listen to season one. Just listen to them all. Yeah, there's 32 episodes of primetime goodness. We did that many. 32 episodes, fam, yeah. Shit. But yeah, apologies. We didn't get a chance to put out the anniversary show. But we've given you a brand new episode for season two instead. So, you know, small consolation. I mean, it's pretty big consolation. We're giving you whole new material instead of just recycling old stuff. You ungrateful shites. (laughs) But yeah, no anniversary show, but season two is well underway. A few thank yous. To a few people, during the time that we haven't delivered the podcast, there's been a couple of amazing things that mm-hmm. people have done for us. So I want to thank, very firstly, Dhruv Mittal, who is an amazing chef, amazing restaurateur. He has Dumbiriani House, 
in Soho. Mm-hmm. He was also, while we were off uh, from the podcast, he was actually on Sunday brunch. Yeah, no, we were so excited about that. Showing them biryani. And I was like, oh my God, that's Dhruv Mittal. And the reason I know him is because he's a listener of this podcast. And he actually said he really enjoys it. And in actual words, it's his favorite podcast. Yay. So we were like, big up Dhruv Mittal. And seeing him on that show was a massive piece of exposure. Mm-hmm. And hopefully opened up more people's eyes to biryani, which yeah. is one of the most awesome dishes from our subcontinent ever. And he's pretty much the biryani king of London. And, you know, we've been in conversations and we were trying to talk about maybe going to his restaurant, checking it out. We didn't get a chance to do that because obviously we have a baby and our life's pretty much like on standstill. But he did something amazing for us. It was literally like the best. I mean, thank you to everyone who's given us baby presents and stuff. But this is literally the best present that anyone could have given us. (laughs) Because it was the most needed for that point of time. You know, we love all the amazing gifts and presents that people have got us. But nothing shows us that you love us more than food. And he kindly delivered us a banquet of goodies from Dumbiriani House as uh, a celebration of having our baby. I've never seen a box of food for two people so big in my life. It was huge. Yeah. I, I'd like to say that it was it ran the course for like three or four days of evening meals for us. But no. We finished it in one night, I think. Yeah. No fucking around, fam. <laughs> But it was amazing. A lot of different dishes from his menu at Dum Biryani House, including an amazing biryani, a vegetable biryani, which is what we had. Yeah, we had a vegetarian feast. Yes, and it was absolutely delicious. I highly recommend the menu from Dum Biryani House. If you're in Soho, and even if you're not, make sure you go and check it out. It's some amazing food. And if you tell him you know the native immigrants, he might even look after you and make it extra special. Because he knows your listeners of the show. And we're all a massive, amazing community now. And he's also opened up a new restaurant called Lucknow 49. And he actually invited us to the uh, special tasters before the restaurant actually opened. Obviously, we couldn't go. Again, yes, we couldn't go. Yeah. So apologies, Drew. Uh, it's again, drawbacks of having a baby. This, I, I, right now, I'm talking about a lot more negatives of having a baby than the positives of it. Oh, there's loads of positives. There is some amazing things about being parents. But one of the bad things is we can't have a life, which is something that we've been used to for five years of our married life. I mean, we, we're managing it once a month now. Yes. Once a month of date day. Yeah. Not date like, night. Date day. day. Yeah. Our cinema trips are now in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I prefer it because there's not loads of irritating idiots there. That's true. The only, uh, ir- the only irritating idiots at these screenings are us. Yeah. 11 o'clock in the morning. There's yeah. not that many people at the cinema and it's brilliant. Yeah. So we can cause all the chaos we can without anyone shouting us and throwing popcorn in our faces. Um, but we want to thank Drew. Thank you so much. Make sure you check out Dumbidiani House and make sure you check out Lucknow 49, his brand new restaurant. We'll be there soon. We can take Bubs with us. Yeah. He's getting to that age now where, you know, he's getting a bit more... Interesting and interested yeah. and stuff. If you're listening, Drew, can you sort us out like a couple of high chairs? If you be probably, couple, yeah, one for him and one for our secret child or your secret <laughs> child. What? Uh, okay, so we also want to thank. Uh, you know, in that time that we've been away, two, we've had. <laughs> you think we have uh, an amazing amount of people that are messaging us, telling us how much they love us on iTunes? We had all of one review <laughs> thank you thank you reviewer no, do you know what fuck that big up the one person that gave us a review i suppose if there's no podcast what are they going to review in the meantime 
I mean, we had 32 episodes. Yeah, we got loads of amazing reviews during our run, but off season to give us a review. That takes that takes a lot of uh dedication. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Yeah, I think so. Dedication. Yeah, it takes dedication, love and support. Yes. So, uh we want to thank Nitar07. Okay. That's his uh, review name, and he said amazing podcast and he and he's actually listening to our show all the way from Norway. Ah, and how do you know it's a man? Uh, Is it not Nita R07? N-I-T-H-A-R. Oh, okay, fine. So it's not N-I-T-A. Okay. Nita. I think it might be Nita. Okay, male or female, whoever you are. Thanks. Thank you very, very much uh, for sending us an amazing review. We highly, highly appreciate it. And I also want to thank, while we've been gone, one of our loyal listeners, Tambir, who we've spoken about a few times on our previous shows. He sent us an amazing email while we've been gone, telling us how much he loved our entire season of shows, uh, how much it helped him through stuff that he's going through in his life. And it was just such a warm, awesome message. I cried. Yeah, you were in tears. I cried. It made me really tearful. It was so lovely because I was having such a low day that day because um, we had had to take Bubs to hospital and he was had spent the night in children's ward. Yeah. And I just sat there at the end of this fold out bed in children's ward. In the middle of the night. Yeah, reading it and crying. Yeah. <laughs> it was so lovely. It almost reaffirms the reason we do this show in the first place. Uh, you know, we, we obviously we, we started recording this pretty much for ourselves. And if anyone actually listened to it, was a bonus yeah exactly in any kind of listenership it'd be awesome but really we're just here to entertain know, ourselves entertain ourselves yeah, some time. Exactly, exactly there's only so much table ping pong that we can get through in the evenings um you get to a point in your marriage and you're just like well, well what's gonna save this we need a reason to talk to each other now yeah we can either go out dating again or start our own podcast it's the only two options i mean in between in between game of thrones seasons we've got nothing to talk about yeah so. yeah but so, so you know, we recorded this for ourselves and we were so lucky that so many people listen to our show, interact with us with the things that we do discuss. And someone like Tambir, who's been listening from day one, uh, always comments and, and talks to us about the things that we spoke about on our show. And he sent us an amazing email. And I just want to thank him because it really, let's put it out there. We have been debating during the course of the time we weren't recording this or during our break, whether we would come back for season two. Yeah, we. I mean, we. The feasibility of it, yeah. and also because you know it was a. It was a, as we'll go into it on a later show. It was a really hard time. Yeah, very for various difficult. reasons, there was lots of stuff going on, and you know, so energy levels were low, morale was low. Yeah, we just thought, can we be asked to add another thing to our list of many things to do in a day? Exactly. But you know what? Yes, we can. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, because it means something to us. It does. You know, we've invested a lot of time and financial effort into this. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we and I guess this is part of a, a journey for us into discussing so many things that aren't talked about within our communities. And since we've left, there's been a number of different podcasts that have come out. So it's great. There's more and more British Asian podcasts out there right now there's loads now which it's is been great. a boom yeah it's, it's great been fantastic because that's what we want to see we want to see a community of people talking about things happening within our communities and you know i'd like to think that we're one of those people and you know to talk about things that people don't speak about on mainstream media or mm -hmm. even within the media asian media circles i think is very very important 
And so it was paramount to us to put this show back out there as many times as we possibly can. We're still debating on how we want to or how frequently we want to put these shows out. Yeah, I think we might have to play around with the format of things. Yeah. Do we do full-length show every couple of weeks? Do we do a shorter show every week? Mm. That we'll all have to just we'll have to figure it out around our number one now, who's little bubs. Oh, I was going to say me. No. Okay. We both come second now. Bubs come. I'm one. I'm already low in priority within the confines of my marriage, uh, let alone just life in general. Well, I'm sorry, but you can function. On Sometimes. your own. I'm, I'm old now, so well, some functionalities are a little bit less... Uh, but um, let's not go into that, love. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Bubs has... He's literally got no clue. It's, it's a fascinating thing seeing a new child come into the world because they literally have no clue or sense of anything. Yeah, exactly. So you have to instill that in them. You have to teach them stuff. You have to be there to support them through all this learning journey that they're going through. Yeah. And it's fascinating. Yeah, it's mad to think that you're completely responsible for another life. Me and you, completely responsible for another life. Honestly. <laughs> who the hell would make us parents? I'm Our like, parents are like, are you sure you're okay? <laughs> <laughs> Constantly saying, are you sure that's the way that you should do this? Maybe you should do this. Is he still alive? My mum literally was like for the first few weeks just ringing up to find out if he was still alive. Yeah, thanks for the faith, grandparents. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They literally think that we, like, we're unable to do anything without their help or their advice. That was at the beginning, though. I think they've started to, to realise that actually... Now we're not just two headless chickens basically yeah. thrown in the deep end in this situation. Yeah, we're good parents. We are good parents, mm. but you know, for a lot of parents, they do go through a lot of hardship and a lot of difficulty, especially during the first few months of having a child and even beyond that. And last week was World Maternal Mental Health Week. Yes, it was. And the actual kind of, that's the, the, so they spent the whole week raising awareness. It's a group of various people from around the world. So physicians and mental health activists and academics and people who just had lived with the experience of having mental ill health after a pregnancy, yeah, after absolutely. birth. So they've come, come together from around the world to try to raise awareness and to demand maternal mental health services for everybody. Mm. It can really affect anyone. So it doesn't matter where you sit in the rung of society. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter about race. None of that. Anyone can get postnatal depression or any other mental health problem after pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and after giving birth. It's a massive change in your life. There can be lots of health issues. And sometimes it's just the hormones go a bit all over the place. Right, sometimes yeah. it's not how you think it's going to be and you don't have that connection straight away. Lots of things can impact on your mental health, um, whether that's your physical health or other stuff that's going on around you. And what they want to do is try to make sure that women and their friends and family know the signs of maternal mental ill health and to know that they're not alone when they're yeah. going through this. You're it's not the, the only one who's feeling that way. And there are services out there for you to be able to take advantage of. But a lot of people don't know they have access to those services mm. or maybe in their area the services aren't so great. Um, so it's just trying to completely change that whole environment for the new mum to make it a safer place for her and a more comfortable place for her after going through such a massive change. Mm. You know, and in the old days, I guess we used to do this in communities. It would be communities of women. And now yeah, yeah. more and more we're kind of left on our own to, to our own devices to deal with things. Yeah. You get a couple of visits from the midwife and she'll ask you, how are you? Are you okay? 
But then after after a few weeks, that stops. Where's the support network? Exactly. Yeah. For a lot of women, they don't have their families around them. We have that support network. We have that comfort blanket around us. But yeah. a lot of people don't and they're on their own. And so the whole point of this is to try and make sure that women are okay. Yeah, and I think another thing that's very, very important when relating it to specifically our communities, the British Asian communities, there's still a level of taboo when it comes to mental health anyway. Yes. And very specifically with maternal mental health, because I've known instances where, you know, there's been issues with uh, within the confines of a, of a relationship and marriage. And sometimes mental health is an issue post, yeah. post-birth. Yeah. But there's usual telltale signs, but no one can really fathom what the problem is or what the issue is and it's clearly a mental health issue but people don't want to speak about it within their within their families within their communities it's almost something that they that they want hidden away it's a lot i think of the older generation who are just like just buck up and deal with it we never had any support what should you why do you need it and that's the wrong way of dealing with things they yeah. didn't have the support they should understand now that actually women do need support and that they didn't get it so we should be the support for the next generation yeah but that's not the mentality i'm really lucky mm. very very lucky that i have the type of mother-in-law who's actually very supportive and who has you know seen from her own group of friends as well in her own circle where things have gone wrong and how badly that can affect you yeah and so she has a much better understanding of how to support her daughter-in-laws when they're going through birth and childbirth and being new mums and the tiredness and everything so she yeah. you know been really lucky with all the support that we've had but a lot of people a lot of women don't a lot especially a lot of asian women don't get that support from their families absolutely you know we've we've had conversations with people in both sides of our families that have said within a couple of weeks they were expected to make roti and stuff yeah. and they had to get back to doing the household chores and you know the grandparents what was expected the grandparents them, yeah. would be holding the baby and they'd be like go off off you go do the work and you're shattered yeah you know exactly. and you're like physically your resources are depleted but you're expected to do stuff and i think that mentality hasn't completely changed within our community yeah yeah absolutely and this is something obviously that does affect dads as well you know they they, absolutely you know so i don't know if there's a world paternal mental health day but hopefully there is because you know i know from my own perspective from my own experience it was a really difficult time the adjustment not only in your life but also you're thrown straight into the deep end with a new life. You literally don't know what you're doing. You're learning things from things that we've spoken about from NCT classes and Google and all that. That goes completely out of the window yeah. once you have a baby and you're expected to know what to do. And sometimes you don't. And it's just like help. And and I think it's, it is something that, that will affect both people, the father and the mother. And as long as they've got each other to go through the process and there is that support network around you, then hopefully that enables, you know, a better mental well-being. If you've got a new mum in your life, whether that's a friend or a relative or, you know, somebody that you know that's had a had a baby, just check in on them, just ask them if they're okay. Yeah. You know, and that's all you really need to ask. Remember in hospital, I, I had um, some time in hospital after the birth and um, one of the nurses came over and just went, how are you doing today, mum? Yeah. And I just burst into tears. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have postnatal depression but you have you got all women all women go through uh, baby blues it's a hormone change mm. and um and i was in tears and she just sat down and she chatted you mm. were there you were next yeah, to me we just yeah. chatted to us and kind of talked us through what was going on with me and with bubs and 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 you know and kind of helped us get through Very some difficult important. days at the beginning yeah absolutely but yeah it's a it's a great cause uh, uh, definitely uh, an issue that needs highlighting just be there be there for the people that are, are around you. It's not, I know it's all lovely and sweetness and light and you want to cuddle the baby, but also just make sure that mom's okay. Exactly. 
very, very important. Right, well, that's the end of the first half of the first episode of season two. When we come back on the other side with our brand new theme music, we're going to be talking about some of the things that have been happening while we've been away. See you on the other side, people. second half of the first episode of the second season of the Native Immigrants podcast. That's the a, show. That's a lot of words. Yeah. I, I think going forward, it's going to be less and less, but <laughs> bruv, we, we're back. You know how crazy this is? The fact that we're sitting down here in front of two microphones and talking about stuff that's not baby related. I know. That doesn't involve like sleep regression. That doesn't involve laryngo malagliteritis. Uh, Laringo Malaysia. That's the one. Yes, it is nice, actually. And yeah. there's no, like, whinging crying. in the background. There's no crying baby in the background. Yep. Crying for like, a reason that you... Like, one of a thousand reasons that you have to work out which one it is. The joy of being a parent. It is, yeah. I think we signed up for this shit. Um, but right, so for this half of the show, we're going to be talking about some of the things that have been happening in the past few months that we've been itching to talk about, but we haven't. Because we haven't put our podcast. Yeah, every now and again we go, oh, that would have been really good on the podcast, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and now we'd like, we'd love to go into more detail about some of these things. But there's just way too many things that have happened, obviously, in the last few months. Well, it's been quite a few months. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's been all of like seven, eight months, I think. Uh, last November. Ep- episode, yeah, it was end of November. November. All right, so six months. That's still quite a long time. Yeah. You know, um, but... In that time, there's been some amazing things happening within our community, mm-hmm. as well as on media, as well as our day-to-day lives. So we're going to touch on a few of these very briefly because we're not going to spend days and days going over this stuff in detail because we just don't we don't have the time. Yeah, to be fair, um, but we will talk about some of our highlights over the past few months. Yeah, and so if we start with television, because we do get about half an hour every day to watch something. Yeah, I mean there was a good like. How many weeks where it's like four weeks where we just watch TV all day, every day? Yeah, <laughs> that was our life basically in the run up to Jojo B's big day. Yeah, because you weren't working. I was, and still, I was on I was maternity redundant. leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You were maternity leave. It was, I, I said to her, take advantage of this time period. We're never going to get it again. Just the two you of us. You said that? I think I said that. Bruv. While you sat there going, I haven't got a job. And I was like, no, it doesn't matter. It's okay. We're having good times. Are we? Yeah, it was good times. It was, to be fair, it was good times. Times of which we'll never, ever see again. We've got other good times. <sighs> yeah, what's happened here? I've become an optimist. When did that happen? You've become a neurotic mother is what you've become. Uh, but anyway, some of our TV highlights of the past few months. Firstly, we have to start with Man Like Mo Bean. Brilliant. It's probably, I'd still say, the best British Asian comedy on TV since goodness gracious me. 100%. We've had a lot of different sitcoms and kind of comedy specials and one-offs and pilots that have come out during that time. But the the writing on this show, big massive credit to Guz Khan and Andy Milligan. They've really captured the essence of today's British Asian. Stuck in that world of the things that are happening right now in society together with 
identity of being Asian yourself. Yeah. And the conundrums and pitfalls that fall between it mixed with hilarious comedy. Yes. I think he's got it absolutely right. Yep. I don't know what else to say other than I love it. I love it. I mean, it's just it's just genius. I think the second series is better than the first series. And I thought the first series was absolutely brilliant. So yeah. you can imagine what the second series is like if you haven't already seen it. It's it's just stunningly written. Yeah, brilliantly written. And it's, I, I mean, it was left on a cliffhanger that I can't wait for the next series well, to come out. Well, this is the thing. It, it did actually get commissioned for a season three. Yay! Which is great news uh, for everybody involved in the show and a special mention to Komal Amin who's that that is that is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, yeah she plays Saida in Man Like Mobin and she's following us on Twitter that's nice yes it's amazing we were like how, how did you find out who we are <laughs> I don't know but she said she'll check out some of our shows and I was like big up do that nice because we might even shout you out one day and we have right now yes so, big up Komal if you're listening. She plays Saida, the police officer. Oh, there. nice. So, um, yeah, Man Like Bo Bean commissioned for another series. It ended on a cliffhanger. I'd really love the fact that they touched on a lot of serious elements. Stuff that's going on within the youth. Yeah, you know, some knife crime. But yeah. They also talk about Brexit as well. Um, <laughs> quite Brilliant. hilariously so funny. in the hospital. Um, <laughs> but yeah, big up Tez Ilyas, one of the highlights of the show. I mean, he has all the killer lines. Yeah. And his delivery of those lines will have you creasing. Yeah. Honestly, it's so funny. Very funny, man. Check out some of his stand-up if you if you see him on tour, basically within the UK. Um, but yeah, big up Man Lamo being very much looking forward to season three. Also want to touch on something that divided opinion immensely. Mm-hmm. From a few weeks ago. The Massacre That Shook the Empire. Oh, yes. A documentary on Channel 4 that detailed the massacre at Jallianwala Bagh uh-huh. on the 13th of April, 1919. The Saki Day. Yeah. Um, I watched it with my dad at home in Newcastle. Because you've actually been to Jallianwala Bagh, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, so me and my dad, I went with my dad a few years ago, the two of us went. Mm. And so Jallianwala Bagh is in Amritsar, mm-hmm. in Punjab. I don't know, there might be lots of people who are listening who, d- who didn't watch the documentary, don't know anything about the whole incident. On the 13th of April, 1919, there was a gathering of people who, are, um, who were having a discussion slash protest, at, uh, a very peaceful protest about the empire, about the British rule in, in India. And also it, it happened in a place that was, it was kind of like a park because like people used to go there for a walk right, yeah. and stuff in the evenings. Recreational area. Yeah, it was like a recreational area. So there's people having, there with their families just having picnics. Mm. It was Vasaki Day, so people were out celebrating course, and they were, yeah. you know, out with their families and things. There was a man called General Dyer who found out about this protest and um, led his troops yeah, to the area. Unit, yeah. And if you go there, there's only one kind of, alleyway that leads to it and then and that's the only entrance and exit route right so once you're in there unless if that if that area is blocked off there's no other way out Mm -hmm. they blocked that area and um started firing on these people and the the numbers are disputed as to how many people died um but it kind of goes into the thousands of people who were there many hundreds of people at least died yeah including young children you know, babies. Yeah, absolutely. So this documentary piece itself was hosted by Satnam Sangera, who wrote The Boy with the Top Knot. 
Yes. Yeah. And obviously a Sikh gentleman himself. Uh-huh. And so um, so he could speak from his perspective as not only someone who's Sikh, but also a British Asian. Yeah. Uh, and talking about the incidents, detailed incidents himself. What were your thoughts on the documentary? Um, firstly, I want to say that it happened in Punjab at a time when there was Muslims and Hindus and, oh, of course, and Sikhs yeah. living it all in the same place. Yeah. So it wasn't just Sikhs who were out that day in that yeah, area. Yeah, absolutely. The programme itself, it was very, it was interesting. If I had come into it not knowing anything, I think I would have found it informative. See, that's that's my perspective of it because uh, I have knowledge of the incident yeah. in terms of the fact that this happened, but not enough about the actual details behind it, the people involved, the what the reasoning for it happening in the first place why people were actually congregated there in the first place as well yeah and so it was eye-opening for me uh from from a complete outside perspective and so that way i think it it did open not only my eyes up but also for a lot of people like that don't know anything about this incident people from the british communities here english people and so that way, I think it was it was very beneficial. Yeah, and it's definitely kind of opened the discussion as to why we don't know anything about these kind of incidents that happened during the British Empire yeah. in this time where people are kind of harking back to the glory days of Britain yeah. and, and all that kind of bullshit as to, you know, like, this is the horrific stuff that happened. Of course, yeah. You know, there's that. There's the um, Bengal famine. There's things like the Irish potato famine. Things that happened yeah. because of British rule of course. in those countries. Mm. Um, and and so this is obviously one of many incidents that happened and it was horrific. And so if you don't know anything about it, then obviously it was an eye opener. If you have some knowledge of it, I don't think it really informed you that much more. Mm. This is the discussion that me and my dad had is that it would have been better to have a bit more of the factual because it's very anecdotal and it was really fascinating to see the differences and how the descendants of General Dyer yeah, see things versus yeah. the descendants of people who were in them who were massacred or who had been at the incident and kind of survived. So there was two very, very different mentalities towards it. Yeah. Which is fascinating. It's so it's so strange to see that people will not acknowledge the hor- like the horrific things that their families did yeah 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 as part you know, in the name of the empire you know like i just i can't fathom it yeah, but, there you was know, some people a... just think that, was, that you know oh well we had to do it because we had to keep order of these unruly thugs yeah it's basically. almost like to make a cake you almost have to break a few eggs yeah. kind of mentality which was like like what what am i watching yeah. right now you know and you know what it'll always be that I think so expendable basically yeah. and mm. and I think that's a horrible attitude that we still are still fighting to get away from yeah but there was a, there was a historian on there called Kim Wagner who I followed on Twitter a while ago actually mm. and um and he's a Dutch historian yeah who's really he's probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the world about this particular incident yeah and the things that led to it and what was kind of the environment and what was happening in India at the time yeah. when this happened to give it context as to yeah. what created this situation. Absolutely. And he just wasn't in it enough for me. Mm, I th- he was yeah. there and he, and Satnam Sangara talked to him, but there just should have been so much more of him. Should he have presented it? I mean, not necessarily. Mm. I suppose you would have been, you didn't have been stuck in the whole context of, 
why why is there a white man presenting this program that's about the Beijing community when and, it should have been a British Asian presenting it? And, and so and there's a double-edged sword. My dad said to me, why are they talking to a white historian? There's loads of Indian historians who know about yeah, this. Yeah. And that was one of the points that my dad made. He goes, there's so many historians in India that would know about this. And I was like, but this guy... It's coming from from an unbiased place as well. Yeah, he's true. Dutch. Yeah. He's got no part of the British Empire. He's got no part of. He's got no Indian heritage. He's just a historian who is interested in what happened at this point in time. Yeah, of course. You, and then everybody, I think, can take his yeah, knowledge. It makes and, it more accessible as well. To yes, because the, the, the you know, here. you know, it's not an Indian going fuck the British, and it's not a yeah. British historian who's trying to kind of trying to make it a little bit better than it actually was. Yeah, you know, it, it's like somebody who's completely neutral who's just saying like, this is what happened. Yeah, of course. And and so, but I think he should have just been interviewed a lot more. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I think that he had a lot to say and I think an Indian historian would have been interesting to talk to I think there's a lot of other people that they could have talked to rather than just descendants of the families hmm. which is a, a, again like an interesting perspective but I don't think it should have made up the whole show yeah personally no. well okay yeah, like it said it did a show that divided a lot of opinion um, but the positives that I found from it is it did open up this incident to a lot of people that don't know about this because it's not taught in the curriculums. It's not something that that gets brandished about in the educational system, and so we do need to comprehend the actions of the empire and some of the atrocities that took place. And it, for that, for me, was was probably the more important objective uh, about getting it out to people that this actually happened, and you know that we still haven't got an apology. You know, from- I think, and I think. What's interesting is is that this started becoming more talked about in the mainstream because Shashi Tharoor came and started talking about it in mm. India and here. Yeah, he came and he said, "This is what happened, and it needs to be addressed." Yeah, something needs to be done. An apology needs to be given by the British to the Indians about this massacre. Yeah, and Shashi Tharoor, if you've seen that episode by Hasan Minhaj um, yeah. <laughs> on his series on Netflix about the Indian elections, that he's a problematic person, potentially. Yeah. But he also speaks a lot of sense when it comes to this. And if you haven't seen that clip of when he talks to Jon Snow on um, Channel 4 News, yeah. I highly recommend it because yeah, he, says it on YouTube. he says it so eloquently, uh, What what is wrong with the whole educational system around empire, and mm. what happened and it affects so many countries around the world and there's so many massacres like this happen all around the world yeah so many things that they did wrong in so many different countries that i think it's it's just a really interesting talking point now going forward yeah we have to keep the conversation open the conversation has to stay open and i think that was one of the most important things to come out from this show uh the massacre that shook the empire is probably available now on 4od if you want to watch it back yeah uh, um also on channel four recently mm-hmm. which we watched uh with a sense of like intriguing delight is probably the best way to describe yeah. it the great british school swap i love that program yeah i 100 percent love that program. again so eye-opening i think i saw it from a slightly different perspective to you as well coming from a, a very white community mm. and understanding maybe a bit better the kind of people that were there and yeah. they were talking to the working class white people who, yes, they said things that were really, really problematic. They Inappropriate? Things, yeah. But actually not coming necessarily from a place of of hatred, but more just a, a, a lack of education. 
Okay. And a Just bit of ignorance. A bit of quick, quick context. Basically, um, they've tried an experiment to swap two classes from two different schools. Uh, one from a very predominantly Asian area and one from a very predominantly white area. And they mixed these kids together to see how they interact. And then they they swapped uh, the classes over in each other's schools and stuff to get a feel of the the, the schools and also the community mm-hmm. and got their, their families involved with each other as well uh, to see how much we they can integrate, you know. Uh, as and it was in Birmingham. It was, yeah, Tamworth. Birmingham, Tamworth and Birmingham, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's brief context. And yeah, just really, really eye-opening um, in, in terms of the way, the, you know, the mentalities are still very Asian within the Asian communities and they're still very white within some of the white communities. Yeah. Um, you know, even in this day and age. But I guess if you haven't interacted within each other's communities, it is like, you know, being like, you know, in a, a complete alien world sometimes. It was to- it was just total ignorance from both sides. Yeah. And not ignorance as in like willful ignorance. It's just ignorance. It's just because everyone's segregated. And so they just not, haven't had the exposure to each other. Exactly. And so people are becoming more and more insulated because of what? They're reading in the papers, yeah, and you know, and because of just the stupid things that people say generally about you know, each other's communities, exactly. And actually, when they're exposed and have individual meetings with those people from those communities, they get a better understanding that actually, oh, that person's not everybody's like that, and they're no different to us. Yeah, they, you know? they, you know, they want the same things for their kids. The parents met the parents, yeah. which I thought was really interesting, and the kids got to know each other, and the kids, the girls want to, you know, they're interested in boys, the boys are interested in girls, and they, they kind of, you know, like they bonded and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, like they're all into the same music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so it was, it was just finding the commonalities yeah. between them, and I think that's what generally in society we are lacking yeah and it was just really refreshing because you see a lot of shows and documentaries uh that could potentially be quite harming to our communities uh, all the time yeah all the time um and it was just really nice to show hey look we're not the bad guys and you know people are here living their lives in their communities just the same as anybody else would in the uk and, and also that they're not the bad guys either. Like I think there's a lot of bad press for white working class people. That, exactly, you know, they're not yeah. all like that. I come from a community where the people are not all like that. Some are, but some a lot of people aren't. And and I think and there's a lot of fear that's being created by the media yeah, to divide because well. it's easier to keep us divided. It's easier to control us when we're divided than if we kind of like if the working class all just got together yeah it'd be a real problem in this country of course, it's a whole yeah. other show. but like the revolution know, has started i don't know exactly that's the thing because poor people are being affected by things all, all in the uh, same way absolutely. middle class people are also being affected by things all in the same way but they keep us divided by creating these ridiculous tensions yeah and you know divide and conquer divide and conquer exactly nothing has changed in that instance but yeah big up the great british school swap hopefully we see another series of that i'd love to see more interactions for more communities well the school the said that they want to continue it yeah which is a great step yeah. in the right direction um and so hopefully more schools get involved and do similar things within their communities across the whole of the uk yeah um right so aside of tv events that have happened now there have been numerous and numerous events uh, across the whole of the uk a lot of which we've missed. Yeah, a lot of which we have missed. <laughs> so we can't t- talk in any kind of detail about anything that we haven't seen because I, th- I think we'd do a disservice to some of those events by talking about things that we know nothing about. But one that I will talk about in detail is the first event that we got a chance to go to 
uh, as a couple, mm-hmm. you know, since uh, since our baby was born. And something that, which is very important to me uh, and something that I've been a big proponent of, if you listen to our last season of our podcast, episode seven, which I spoke in detail about Blair Peach yeah. and his story and the story of the Southall riots uh, back in 1979. Uh-huh. So this year marked the 40th year anniversary of not only the riots, but also the death of Blair Peach Mm -hmm. at the hands of the police. Now, an organization called Southall Resists 40 um, have organized a series of events to mark this occasion, some of which we did miss. There were some forums, um, there's a couple of gatherings and meetings, etc., a couple of film showings about documentaries within Southall. Um, but one of the events we did go to was a march of unity against fascism and racism that occurred on the 27th of April. Um, now, the 23rd of April was the actual uh, anniversary of Blair Peach's death. Yeah. Uh, and so they did mark a little march on occasion. But on the weekend, they had a bigger march with a lot of people within the Southall community, but also outside communities as well that marched together from the Dominion Centre all the way to Southall Town Hall. Uh, and went past not only where uh, Gurdip Singh Chaga, who was killed in 1976 by uh, s- some members of the National Front, uh, they marked that with some flowers, but they also marked the exact spot where Blair Peach was killed in Southall uh, with with flowers and a memorial. It was a, quite a decent turnout of people. I think they said about a thousand people turned up. Yeah. yeah, and there were also people from outside of our community that were also there. Yeah, there's people from um, Lewisham um, and... There was a lot of kind of part different yeah, boroughs Lamberth in London. Yeah, and stuff like anti-fascist uh, pe- uh, movements and leagues uh, from across the whole of London uh, got together, um, as well as people from that time period from that were there in 1979 that had first-hand experience of the actions that took place during that time period. For me, it was great to see, like back then, I, sp- I spoke about this on that show in that all our communities, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Sri Lanka, were very united during that time period against fascism, against the far right. And, you know, it it almost marked a kind of revival of that during this march, where there were so many people from across all different communities um, coming together again in unity. And in a time period now where it's become more vital than ever, where we need to have a more collective front going forward. And it wasn't just the Asian communities as well. There's a lot of white people there. There was a lot of people from the black community there. Yeah. You know, because Southall was very mixed at that point as well. Yes. Um, Less so these days, but it was a very mixed back then. And so there was members of different trade unions that had come together from different parts of London now, and they all kind of gathered, but yeah. all from, from different backgrounds. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the unity that I think needs to come back more yeah it's still there in pockets that's the thing it is there in pockets but one thing that i felt like just being there that day it was a very somber march and then at the end of it there was some there was some great speeches from a lot of people within the community but particularly pragna patel director of the south of black sisters that's a great speech very powerful speech not only about uh the fight against racism fascism but also uh for women empowerment I also um, really like the speech for um, from the guy who's from the, the National Teachers Union. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and they said that they mark every year the Blair Peaches um, death anniversary. He made a very, very powerful speech as well. Yeah, some great speeches that day. Personally, I still feel not enough of today's younger generation 
were there. I think we were probably amongst the youngest. The youngest people there, yeah. There was a few kind of school kids and stuff, but that was, those were things that were organised by South and Resist 40 yeah. to, to mark the next generation of people. But where was today's youth? You there know? was no teenagers or people in their 20s. Very, I don't think I very saw any. Very few, yeah. very few. And it's something that I spoke about on episode seven of last season's show, where I don't feel enough of today's younger generation have an understanding of what happened and what took place during the time of their parents' generation being here and the fight against the far right, the things like the Southall riots and to enable them to have that life that they have today, you know? And I think that was a little bit of a shame because it was a real good opportunity for people to pay respects, to pay tribute to the fight that, you know, atrocities that took place during that I time think period. maybe also the effort needs to be made to reach out to those kids. Yeah. So going to sixth forms and going to colleges and talking to those kids to say, you know what, like we we need you to know your history. Yes. Um, And getting in there with those kind of, those kids that are in their late teens, for them to really understand yeah, what happened course. and that actually we're in a time period now, which is what all the speeches ha- kind of centered around now is that we're in a time now, which is not dissimilar to what was happening back exactly, then. Exactly, yeah. What is happening now is even scarier because it's happening across the whole of the world at the moment. Yeah. And so we really need to find this unity to fight that back. Otherwise it will continue because it's getting the mainstream media's attention yeah. and they are getting their voice out there and we're not getting our voice out, out there at all in any effective way. Absolutely. And it will take the, the unity of all the communities to be able to do that because we need to have collective force. I think that's something that needs to be put out there they have to reach out to those kids because those kids Absolutely, have got their yeah. minds everywhere. Like, you know, we, we look at us, we're on our phones constantly just looking mm. at random stuff all the time. Our minds are busy constantly. Yeah. And so are theirs. Yeah, completely. completely. You know, they've got even more things going on because they actually have lives. So we <laughs> we want we want to be able to reach out to them directly. And I think they can do that through through schools or through colleges. Yeah, but it also needs, you know, the boards to to implement a lot of these things within the curriculum as well. We were talking about Jellywana Bag and the fact that not enough people know about that because it's not been taught. But also our parents need to talk about it. Yeah. The reason yeah. I knew about Jellywana Bag and the reason that I went there was because my dad took me. Well, one of the things that people were saying that day is that not enough people talk about those incidents because they've put it behind them. It's, it's, it was a very traumatic time period for a lot of people and they're left scarred from it still from some of the the things that took place and so they've put that behind them started families moved on with their families and they don't try to they don't tend to open up old wounds and but it's it's a a shame shame. because i think like from conversations with my dad to from when i was a kid to now Mm. and actually we only talked about it a couple of weeks ago is that the things that they did my dad is very proud of the yeah. movement that he was part of and the changes that they enacted within this country, the the immigration laws, um, equal rights laws that happened were because of that generation and yeah, the work absolutely. that they did, whether, you know, some of them had to riot or whether they had, my dad was constantly on protests. My dad was constantly like trying to make things happen along with a lot of my uncles and stuff. Mm. And I think, you have to see it as a sense of pride rather than something that's so hurtful that you need to forget it. And yeah. yes, horrible things happened. Mm. But the the pride that needs to come out of it is that things changed because of it. Things yeah. did change for for the better. Yeah. And now what's happening is the process is rewinding. And yeah. that's what we need to stop. So that generation needs to talk to the next generation, yeah. whether that's their kids or their grandkids, and get them to realise that the only way we can stop it from going back is by maintaining and fighting for the things that we've already got 
yeah. and pushing for more. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like I said, South of Resist 40, a lot of people from that time period uh, that were there during the riots are trying to open up and push the message into the community. Yeah. And they've got a number of events that have happened already and some that are also going to be happening in the next month. So uh, check out southofresist40.com for more information. And um, I want to shout out Sonny and Shay from BBC Radio London because they invited me onto their show to talk about the march that we attended. Because like I said, not enough people do know about this. And so, you know, it was it was great for me to talk about that from the perspective of someone that did grow up in Southall, the second generation, and some of the things that our parents went through during that time period, and how we can learn some of the lessons from the past in order to enable a much better future. Exactly. So you can listen back to that interview on BBC Sounds, on the BBC Sounds app. Um, get involved. Support the community. Yep. And talking of Shay, yes, leads nicely on to okay. another event that we missed. Oh yeah, exactly, indeed. And that I really, really wanted to go to. Yeah, because you've been banging on about it for basically months about right. Whatever's happening, I'm going to make sure I am there during that day. And I know, but then you know, becoming a mother kind of takes precedence over everything else. Yeah. Um, it's it was the Asian Woman Festival. Yes. It happened on the 30th of March in Birmingham, which is why I couldn't go because it was in Birmingham, so it was too far. Yeah. Uh, Inconsiderate, isn't it? I know. Um I would have hundred percent been there at any other time in life. Um and hopefully I'll be there next year. It was the first ever event of its kind in the UK. It was kind it was there to celebrate Asian women. South Yay, Asian the ladies. women. Yay. Um and it was aiming to smash stereotypes and stigma around being an Asian woman, a South Asian woman. Yeah. There were appearances from the singer Amrit Kaur uh, Lohia and uh, Sharon Daliwal, who's the editor of Burnt Roti magazine. Yeah. Um, and there was the spoken word artist Jaspreet Kaur. Okay, yeah, Behind AKA, the Netra. Yes, yeah. I was going to say AK Behind the Netra. She mm-hmm. was there as well. So there's lots of events. There was talks, there was panels, loads of stuff going on, loads of discussions. And then there was like um, lots of stalls and things where you could buy loads of stuff and yeah. it just was right up my alley Big up. And it was all about celebrating and embracing being a South Asian woman and all the wonderful things there are mm-hmm. but also all of the negatives that go with that all the stereotypes all the stigma all the things that we have to go through yeah. and trying to smash all of that and trying to break it all, all down nagging. fuck off <laughs> <laughs> and it was hosted by Shay Big up. Yeah. Big up Shay. Yeah, no, it looked like an awesome event uh, because where, where are the events to champion the British Asian woman today? There's nothing, there's never been anything. Literally nothing. Um, you know, apart from an odd thing here and there at some of the alchemy festivals that we've seen and things like that. Yeah. But an entire event dedicated to that, I think was an awesome, awesome move. Um, yeah, it's a shame we couldn't make it this year, but we will endeavor to make it for next year. And hopefully this is the very first one it can build and progress and become even bigger and hopefully have one in London, which will make our life so much easier. Yeah, but otherwise we can just travel to Birmingham next year. Bubs will be a bit bigger. Yes, indeed. So we can put him on the sling and sling him there. Yeah, and we can wander around and he can be exposed to the amazing South Asian women that are around in this country. There And there are plenty of those. None in this room, though. Um, Piss off. So... (laughs) Yeah, so there have been a lot of really great events. There have been a number of amazing events. We could sit here and talk about them at length, but we we're going to start getting to some of these. And I think that's the things we're going to talk about in some of the future shows going forward. Lastly, I'd like to touch on um, a theatre production called Mrs. Kapoor's Daughter's Wedding has been touring the UK. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. 
just because that sounds like every wedding invitation we ever get <laughs> literally yeah I'm, I'm, i wish i was joking um but it's been touring the uk recently it's gone to venues in hayes kent watford and leicester and will be in birmingham next on the 27th of may and it's got my brother parley patel playing the lead role of no mrs way. kapoor herself what yes <laughs> he's playing mrs kapoor he's playing mrs kapoor and doing a damn good job apparently from all the amazing reviews i've been reading recently i mean that's brilliant but surely there's not very many roles for an asian woman out there anyway so <laughs> they give the only one that there is out there to a man <laughs> look guys we've just been championing the british asian woman and then one of the main roles of a british asian theater production uh, of a woman is being played by a man so <laughs> there you go like i said if you know if a woman can't do the job and is mrs kapoor might, gujarati might by any chance uh, I, I potentially, but Mrs. Kapoor could be anything, I guess. Isn't it? Well, there's not there's a, not many good Kapoor Gujaratis from no, I know. Kapoor is a Punjabi surname, that's why. So, are you going to push on the fact that not only was it being not played by a Punjabi <laughs> no, that woman, that it was played by a Gujarati? It doesn't man. have to be Punjabi; it could be wherever from India. But you know, a woman would have been nice. Mm. But well done, Parley. <laughs> but also, she says with gritted teeth. You know, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh dear, but. Either way, support British Asian productions, theatre productions, uh, because they're few and far between and not pick holes uh, at specific things within it. Well, I know, I'm just saying it would be so much easier to support if they actually supported the Asian women as well as the Asian men. You guys got your own whole event. And now we've got a theatre production. An Asian woman had to set it up. It wasn't a bloody Asian man who set it up, was it? Yeah. Why, are you, why are you differentiating between men and women now? British Asians are one whole. Please. When two become one, isn't it? Now I have that bloody song stuck in my head. Anyway, if you're if you're in uh, Birmingham on the 27th of May, go check out this theatre production and support British Asians in all walks of life. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Jojo B? I think lastly, mm. we have to touch on some very very sad news that happened. We did a show, episode 31, about. Uh, organ donation in the british asian community yes um and unfortunately one of the people that we spoke about has passed away little um kaya patel very very sad she passed news. away in january um she had actually got her donor hmm. she needed a bone marrow donor and she had got that donor but she passed away from complications following that hmm. um she caught a virus in hospital which she couldn't fight that's horrendous news horrible horrible news so our condolences to the family it, t- it, t- it does touch even deeper now being a parent. It's horrendous. It's, it, yeah, it, <sighs> hits, horrendous. it hits, hits home a lot harder. But also to let you know that um, Anea, who we also spoke about, who needed a kidney donation, she's two two-year-old Anea, she's still looking for a donor. Yeah. So please get out there. If you can donate, you know, you can be a living donor for yeah. a kidney. Um, so if you are interested in getting involved in that please you know blood donors bone marrow donors organ donors they're looking for all yeah Um, especially within our communities which is something we spoke about at length uh, on that show last season episode 31 not enough is being done in terms of the drive and raising awareness within our communities so you know please do get involved because unfortunately we couldn't save kaya but anaya is also on the list and so many countless other children and adults yeah within our communities that are, that are actively looking for donors and all it needs is a little bit of help yeah and if you know like if if you don't have your donor card please get one yeah get involved in that have your donor card let your relatives know that that's what you want to happen to you 
after your time come. Yeah. Give your don your organs up for donation. My yeah. best friend needed a kidney donor and she's got it and she's here because of that. There you go. So, Break yeah. the taboos and make that change. Um, well, that's it. Yes. From the very first episode of yeah. season two of the Native Immigrants podcast. We got through it. We did. Sergio B. A slightly epic one as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. It covered a lot of different things. But obviously, as we do week in, week out, we're going to be touching on the topics of agenda that affect our communities. It's that term again. Yes, it's back. It's back oh with a vengeance. <laughs> Topics of Agenda 2, The Revenge. <laughs> but uh, the next few shows, we will be talking about birth, having a baby. Uh, and we, we, We'll try not to go on about that too much. We don't want to bore you all. No, that's with true. those boring parents. Yeah. You know, but the again, kind of podcast equivalent of those bonds that put photos up constantly on, on Facebook. Like, like we've been doing. No, I haven't put any photos up of him. Uh, yeah, we've been good that way. We've None of his face, the, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Neck down. You can check out his gin <laughs> if you like. But some things we're going to keep to ourselves, you know. Um, but yeah, but we'll be, we'll be trying to put the show out fortnightly now going forward. So the next show you'll be hearing from us will be in two weeks' time. Yeah, I mean, because we have lack of life now. So we have to build up a couple of weeks' worth of stuff yeah. to talk about. But like, let's put it out there. Would you, would you rather a fun, big, long-packed show like this every two weeks or a short nifty but still covering a few topics half an hour every week yeah let us know what you prefer yeah let us know and then we can endeavor to make it happen yeah you know either way uh big ramadan mubarak to all our islamic friends listening in right now yes good luck good luck best of luck i'll promise not to post any food pics in the next month or so because i've been got grilled that last time you know a lot of people yeah like don't do that yeah I will not do that. But we will talk about also Avengers Endgame, which we have recently seen, but that will need a whole episode of itself in the next few weeks. And also we need to watch it again. Yeah, to get to get the full gist of everything before we can have a great opinion on and it. And we need you all to watch it so that we don't give away too many spoilers. Too many spoilers, exactly. Uh, so we'll be talking about that, as well as Game of Thrones, as well as numerous other things that we've been watching, but mostly, most importantly, things that affect our community, which is what we're all about. Well, that's it from this week from the Native Immigrants. And we'll catch you all again next week, people. Peace! See ya! Since the recording of this show, the parents of young Anea Candola have shared the news that a potential match has been found from a living donor. This is amazing to hear, and we wish Anea and her family all the best going forward. Thank you.